It's the Darren McCarty Show. Brought to you by Pain-Free Life Centers. High-intensity, high-dose laser therapy. Live your life pain-free with no drugs, no surgery, and no side effects. Now, here's Darren McCarty. What's going on, guys? Man, I told Sean and Eric uh, before this, let's see if we can remember how to do it. We haven't been on in a while, but yes, this is four-time Stanley Cup champion Darren McCarty back with the Enforcers show on a Friday night. Proud to be here, AM 760 WJR, joined as always by Sean Belegian and producer extraordinaire, actually, Baby Steps, almost two years in, Eric Dorch, and we're on the same page, so Jason running the show from the ones and twos. Um, I don't know, Sean, like, this is, we're doing this, uh, Eric looks a little too comfortable for to, right now to me because we got, we're up uh, on video, so I'm going to keep an eye on that, but he did say that his Michigan Wolverines are suffering a little bit right now in the college basketball, so I'm going to give them a break. Is that fair enough for me to say, Sean? Yeah, a little college hockey action going oh, on. Oh, hockey, hockey, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, the, the Golden They're... Gophers. And, uh, uh, Mac, I was watching part of it, and uh, Minnesota's fast. Boy, they're, they're really? A, yeah, they're a fast. I, I didn't realize how – I mean, Michigan's got the talent. Make no mistake about it. There's a reason why they're ranked the – the, the place that they're ranked, but uh, Minnesota in the first period really showed some speed. Oh, wow. Well, that's, that's good because everybody's sort of thought with all the first round draft choices coming out of the university of Michigan, it was uh, just duck soup. And uh, I know that I'm excited for just the fact in the future that uh, Drapes' son, Keenan Draper's uh, going to be attending their university of Michigan. So, I mean, there's a lot of, it's, you know, um, I would be remiss and I would not be doing uh, a service to myself if uh, we didn't start here. And I know um, Darren McCarty, I'm all about fun and stuff like this. But uh, the thing that's not fun um, going on right now is what's happening in our community. And I'm going to address the Oxford situation right now and the tragedy that's happened uh, to the to the four students that uh, deceased. Um and, and, you know what, this isn't the program. Everybody else is covering it, doing a great job. Obviously, wait for all the information to come out, and that'll be done. I just wanted to take this time um, and just say, you know what, at the end of the day, forget everything. We're doing a disservice to the youth of this country, um, and it's time to change that. But in the little bit... Um, what I've seen uh, from the Detroit Lions, uh, from the University of Michigan, um, and I'm sure uh, Mel Tucker, Michigan State, because I know that uh, Tate Muir, the captain, uh, number 42, uh, will have his, the Oxford O with the 42 and four blue hearts on at the game in Indianapolis tomorrow for the Big Ten Championship. So Carbaugh's doing that. I know Coach Campbell sets stickers and stuff on the jersey it doesn't bring anybody back but it's also important that we stick together in these tough times um you know i i guess the bravery of this young man and hearing things that have come out and all these students and what the kids of the kids did it, it could always be worse but uh you know it's disturbing to hear the facts come out. We'll wait for everybody to do that. But I just, 
my heart goes out to him. I know that uh, I wanted to get your guys' opinion, and I wanted to get Jason's also, but uh, just time to come together, and, and because the only way we do is, is the same thing that I preach as far as all the sports and trying to teach culture is that we have to learn from our mistakes, and this is, happens too often, and let's quit let, letting our youth down. So, Sean, I wanted – because I I guess I the first thing that I thought about was my – my friend Joint Bell and his high school son and Neil Rule and and his kids and all the my friends that have kids in high school because my kids are older. I know Jack's older, but you have a call a high school student. Um, I guess from a from a parent that has a high school student, Sean, what and you always in these situations, you you know how to say you know the right thing when there's nothing that can be said. But uh, what? Yeah, no, you know, but you do. I always talk to you about these things and, you know, because sometimes I get too emotional and, and get upset, but I think that, that I, it's, it's time and it's, and it's nice to see it's, it's, you know, what, whatever, too little, too late or whatever, but just the fact that people can see it and hopefully this, you know, we'll get into talking about Michigan and, uh, and Indianapolis and hopefully this uses, they can use this when they look down and get some of the inspiration, just as we always say or always hear when they do the hometown hero at Ford Field, um, how that gives guys the pop. And I know from giving out jerseys to the veterans at Wings games, I get that. That's my most favorite thing. So what did you uh, – do you have any words of wisdom for, I'm for our audience? I'm going to what you said. I, I think our society is hurting, and, and we're really hurting our kids with sometimes um, – some of the displays that we as adults show. And, and I, I think we haven't done a real good job of leading by example in so many different ways. And um, the reason I chuckled, I, I appreciate the kind words, but um, the reason I chuckled when you said you always know what to say is when I had that conversation with my daughter the other day, I didn't know what to say. It, it's something you don't ever think you're going to have a conversation like that with, with your daughter. And I, you know, I told her early in the morning, the day after it happened, I said, honey, if you don't want to go to school today, if you feel uncomfortable, stay home. I, I'm totally cool with it. I'll call in for you right now. And she wanted to go to school. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure like so many other schools in the area, uh, a lot of parents listening, uh, they, they had either Thursday and Friday offer. in the case of, you know, where we live in Northville, uh, they had school off today it's an uncomfortable conversation, but it's a conversation that we all have to have. And I told her, I said, if, if you ever hear anything, if, if even if it's just some, you know, rumor or anything, make sure that you tell your mom, make sure that you tell me. I mean, that's what mom and dad are here for. And, and we can take the appropriate action because Mac, the thing that just, it hurts your heart so badly. It, it really sounds like this could have been avoided. And, and that's, that's, that's what just, it just breaks your heart. Yeah. Well, to your point, because I want to bring this up, and this is why I wanted to bring it up to you, because when I saw Fox 2 and our friend Dina Santafonte cover this in the more where she went out there, and she interviewed a, uh, a, a young lady a hot, that, that had been there that was a student, and it reminded me because it was your daughter's age. But what she said reminded me of something that we as adults have to take into consideration is – the adults don't think and the teachers don't think we listen, but we do. Mm -hmm. We understand we're smarter than you give us credit for. So 
the fact that, yes, there was this red flags and these signs and stuff like this. At the end of the day, if 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 this, you know, the, I know that one thing else I wanted to mention, if you're into the change.org, I know there's a petition to change the Oxford Stadium into the Tate Mir Stadium to just so that the legacy continues. We don't forget. And then the big thing is, let's just, you know, we have to learn and not allow this to happen again. And obviously precautions were taken, but not enough. Not enough. Eric, did you have, um, did you and Jason have something on this? I mean, I, I'd be echoing what you guys said. It's one of those things. It's, it, it does, like Sean said, it does sound like it could have been avoided and it's, it's tragic that it wasn't, you know, thought, you know, your thoughts and prayers go out to all, all those guys. And uh, it is one of those things. It's, you don't want it to be a learning moment, but it has to be a learning moment for, to try to make the changes needed uh, to try to prevent this in the future. Right, because guys, forget. you know the the school school should be a safe haven. You know, no child, uh, wh- however uh, old they are, sh- or teachers should be afraid to go to school. Absolutely. And and my initial thought when this happened is, you know, these these kids, these teachers, they've they've had to deal with this virus for two years, and then something like this happens. Like it's it, it and it's been happening for a while now in this country, and it's just something has to be done, and it's just heartbreaking because. You know, you shouldn't you shouldn't feel like you know you shouldn't feel in, in danger at a, at school. Yeah. Well, here's I'm gonna leave it at this before we go to break, and uh, we'll come back. We'll talk about Red Wings. We'll talk Michigan going to Indianapolis. But when Sean, when I, when Jason went to school, what did your parents have to worry about? Worry about you knocking somebody up, right? Getting somebody pregnant. Not that was it. Now we're way on a different level. So let's just. Not ignore that. All right, we'll uh, we'll take a quick break here. Glad you could join us on a Friday night, right here. It's the Darren McCarty Show on seven sixty WJR. This is the Darren McCarty Show on seven sixty WJR, where Detroit comes to talk. Now here's Sean Belegian and Detroit Red Wings legend, Darren McCarty. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us here on this Friday night, December 3rd. We are already in the last week of the of this year, three weeks from Christmas. The fellows were just telling me that they're making their Frankenmuth trips this weekend, <laughs> up to Bronner's and get the Bavarian chicken. I mean, I, I, that's interesting because I think that, you know, that that's a huge tradition around here. Just like the apple cider, apple orchard ciders are the different parts of the year. So that's interesting. And I know that I'll get sidetracked and talk about chicken and stuff like this. And I don't want to because this is my show. And I want to talk the Detroit Red Wings. And I'm going to come at you two right now on the fact is, oh, I don't know about you, but hashtag wiser plan um most cider rookie of the month october uh lucas raymond a rookie of the month november um i know that i said four or five years it's not when it's when i don't know but if steve eiserman keeps hitting on 19 and 20 year olds it will be a lot sooner take that to the bank no Sean, doubt what, do you, about what it. have you liked between or what have you seen and where are we at because it's ebb and flow 
I've been waiting to talk to you. Um, I've been waiting to talk to you too. It's exciting now, finally. (laughs) When's the last time? When's the last time we we actually were excited about talking hockey about this team, our team? You're right. You're Mac. You know what I love the other night, and I I I want to get your perspective because obviously you played at that level. I didn't think they played well at all against they didn't and they, they won the both when games on the road i oh my gosh because i said to daniela bruce god bless her who i do game day live with and 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 coming off that like here let's take it back a couple weeks and for everybody because we haven't been on so let's do the show going into the four game road trip all right these guys are playing good coming off the win on the road boom they go on the road four game road trip Lose three, tie one, where they lose that point in overtime to uh, Arizona, right? You come back and it's like, come on, guys. You had a chance. You didn't do anything in Dallas. You looked weak in front of Ben with your captain. You know, like, man, and I know it's the youth, and I know that they're learning, and it's the ebbs and flows that I said all along. Darren, you said it's going to be like this. Go with the flow. But then they come back, and they I'm at the St. Louis game. And they play well, and they win that game. And it's like, okay, they've been learning how to play at home. The crowd's there. The crowd's helping them. Boom. They bank another uh, win against Buffalo, figure out how to win. Lucas Raymond, snipey five-hole on the D-man. Just, you know, pro goal. Looks like Steve Eisman back in the mid-'80s. And, yes, I did say that because this kid is special. So then they go into Boston, which they don't win in Boston. It's like – it's not to the extent of Michigan beating Ohio State, but it's it's a tough place to play. Boston had their number, beat them 5-1 earlier in the year. They go in. They get 16 shots. They give up five on three, but they find a way. They find a way. Nadalkovich, who's found himself, who that's where we go. As much as I talk about those other two, he and Grice have really – stepped up and that going four games in a row he's made i don't know five highlight reel saves this year so then they come home after winning that game and i know it's a back-to-back seattle's waiting for him and stuff but they didn't have their a game and they're doing things now this red wing team that they never ever ever used to do they get down, they get up one nothing, they get down two one, they score to tie it up going into the third. They find a way to get that overtime goal, right? They win in overtime. They have five wins in overtime or shootout this year. That's points they don't usually get. Every week we're gonna come on here and I'm gonna ask the question um, is the Detroit Red Wings a playoff team right now? And I say coming up to here right now, the way they're playing, yes. I wouldn't have said that last week, but they have the ability. And here's the one thing I want to throw back to you, Sean, is the fact that it's you've seen this other places as they learn to play with each other. They learn how different guys are in and out of the lineup and they can win because they didn't have the luxury before to not have their best players on the ice. Now they got guys stepping in. They got Bertuzzi, boom. The minute they used to lose him, they were done. You might as well butter. No, they found a way to have guys come in, and that is the young maturity. Right now I asked you, Sean Belegian, are they a playoff team? Um, I thought at the beginning of the year they finished on the outside looking in. 
Uh, right now, as you look at it, boy, oh boy, they look like a playoff team. Uh, and they really do. And, you know, here's the thing. I want to remind everybody now that we said that. I thought one of the coolest things that uh, Steve Eiserman said, Mac, when, when he took over that introductory press conference is he said, we don't want to just get back into the playoffs. We want to put the Detroit Red Wings at the level that people grew accustomed to them being at, the level, Darren, that you were a big part of. And uh, this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning, uh-huh. folks. I mean, that's an, and you look, Darren, here's the thing. They're exciting to watch right now. They are. And we haven't been able to say that in a long time. And, you know, we're always going to watch them. We're always going to watch the wings, but they're exciting to watch right now, even with the lulls, because there's that talent level there. And, and, and Jeff's got them going. It's, uh, it, it's been fun. And they're a fun, fun watch now. Let's, hey, you just brought it up, right? Oh, Jeff, Jeff Blaschel, yeah. the coach, yeah. the guy that everybody didn't think was the guy for the job, except for hashtag Wiser playing the guy that knows what's right for this organization. We can just sit back. I love the vibe. In the in LCA, it's everything that I thought this place can be and continue to be as people learn. But now they're showing up. I mean, I'll be down there tomorrow night, seven o'clock, doing the uh, doing the game play, the Islander game, doing game day live with Danielle Bruce. Uh, yes, I'll be making as much fun of Art Regner as I can. It's just the fact that Art, you know, Sean, you realize Art's one of us. He grew up with us in that locker room, so yep. we've been doing this for thirty years. That's the the fun part that we have, the part of the camaraderie but what who you know obviously i i mentioned nadalkovich and raymond and cider is who has impressed you because you watch the game on a different level too but is there somebody who's and i have one guy in mind that i think that is his potential is starting to really come out because i think this guy is better stats wise than he proves how, um, I'll get to that, but do you, do you have somebody that you've been watching that you're impressed with or, you know, I, I love in? Tyler. I love Tyler when he was in the O I told anybody that would listen, I watched this kid elevate his game when the talent around him got better. And I call him a money player. You know, when, 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 uh, you take a look at his playoff stats in his career, this is a guy that shows up in money time. I think a guy like Tyler is, I, I think he's irreplaceable for hockey teams. Everybody needs a Tyler Bertuzzi. He isn't a star. He'd be the first guy to tell you that he's a star. But you know what? You go to war with guys like that. You, you grab your Brendan Gallagher. You grab your Marshawn. You, you go to war with guys like that. He's your rat. Yep. He's your rat. The guy that I was talking about, Vladislav Dedemans, the Mastnikov. He's been, he's been all right. The as yes. far as that third line chipping in, which I think he's got what eight or nine goals, eight, uh, yep. the eight goals, the excitement, and it's and it's exciting for us too because to know to have seen and remember the kid running around the dressing room because he's Kazi's nephew, that's got to mean something. I love the excitement he has when he scores, but these are the secondary guys that you're talking about. And when you're talking, I call those guys, you need your rat. You need your rat. Calgary's got Kachuk. Every great team has their rat. You know, and, and you know, you look at a guy that you mentioned, the Kraken, and the rats come in different shapes and forms because I'd say that like a Yanni Gord has that rat mentality, right? Stanley Cup champion, different things like that. Um, 
So uh, it's exciting. Like you said, if you get a chance, everybody, I implore you, they will entertain. This is a time to go find, figure out, watch your guy. One of the things I want to ask, right, because uh, Philip Sedina, four goals, getting heat because of what he's supposed to be. I'm not mad at him at all because I see different things, growth in his game. Now, snake bitten, wow. I thought I was snake bitten sometimes. This kid's snake bitten um, as far as around the net, but I like what he's doing um, around the rink and, and in a complete game. And I think that the reason he's in the lineup and the reason he gets the opportunity and you're not hearing too much out of Steve Eisman or Jeff Lash is because he's doing what he's asked, right? He's doing what he's asked, fitting into a role. So the consistency is that they're going to fight with and stuff like that. Go ahead. No, that you know, I I think you bring up such a good, but the thing that people are going to hold against a guy like Zadina is number six. That I mean, that that's that's just the way it is. And I, to me, it's like if you fit as a piece in a puzzle, uh, maybe you you're not the number six overall draft pick, but if you fit into the puzzle, is isn't that what it's all about? Just fit into that puzzle. And you know what? I'll leave you guys with this before we go to the break, and we'll be joined by the Dean himself, Michael here, DetroitLions.com. Oh, it'll be interesting to talk to this poor man. Uh, I feel so bad for him. <laughs> but the fact is, listen, Zadina at six, don't worry. He's going to be way better than Akuda at three. So here you go. They got both things to prove. You, you can always look at the bright side and the positive. That's what you get here on the Darren McCarty Show. AM 760 WJR. Like I said, when we come back, we'll talk to the Dean, Michael here, Detroit News. This is the Darren McCarty Show on 760 WJR, where Detroit comes to talk. Now here's Sean Belegian and Detroit Red Wings legend, Darren McCarty. Thanks for joining us here on this Friday, a first Friday in December already, fellas. Unbelievable. And Eric Dorch, I do not, you know what, what you said, we will address on a future show, but you're right. D-Boss, the captain, Dylan Larkin, 71, right? They, He is their leader, and there is another level to his game this year. And I thought it's because of health. And health's a huge thing in sports. We'll just ask our next guest. Joining us, one of my favorite people in the Detroit sports media and one of the people I have the most empathy for ever because he, if you think you got it bad, this guy's covered more Lions games than anybody else. Yeah, it's the Dean, Mr. Michael here at DetroitLions.com. You working on that base, buddy? We're getting ready to fire it back up in the new year. I hope you're ready for that guest grinder appearance. Listen, I'm ready to audition any time. I already got the latex pants. Now I just got to practice a little bit on the guitar. <laughs> Listen, I saw you side stage for the Rolling Stones just in case uh, Keith went down. So no, you, there's no, you don't, you don't have to try out at all. You got a spot no matter what. Hey, but, yeah, uh, look, I'm there for, I'm there for short relief. Okay. That's that's all you need. Listen, six minutes a game, you can win cups with that, Mike. Don't worry about it. But more importantly. You've been down there, 0-10-1, Lions. My question to you, Mike, and I've asked everybody, and, and you know, I, I'm a bit of a smart aleck, but I'm mostly serious. Where do NFL coaches learn clock management? Is it Madden like the rest of us? Or, is, cause, or am I off to think my Madden skills are better than what I'm seeing out of Dan Campbell? And 
is this to me is the most frustrating thing in this rebuild. I can live with losing. I can live because I see the effort. I can live because this defense is playing hella good with what they have and keeping these this team under twenty the other teams under twenty points. Do you have an answer for that? Because you've seen a lot of coaching. I don't have an answer for it, but I have an opinion on it. And I think uh, like a lot of things, uh, you learn them over time and, and you learn them, you experience them before you learn them. And I think maybe that's a little bit of what's happened to uh, uh, Dan Campbell, the head coach of the, of the Lions. And I know you're specifically talking about that last game, the last couple of minutes where they could have you know, called time a little more judiciously. And maybe if they'd have made a stop at, maybe had a minute or so to try and, and answer back and get a field goal to, you know, to over overtake the, the Bears who just kicked the winning field goal. And I think those things, you know, I think those things happen in time. And maybe with Dan Campbell when he took over the play calling when they came back from the buys now done after three weeks, maybe he just need, needs more time, more experience doing it. In the meantime, there are growing pains, and he's not the only one who feels them. You know, Mike, one of the things jumped out to me, and I, I loved your piece at DetroitLions.com um, yesterday. It's so easy to talk about a lot of the things that aren't working, and we're all apt to do that. But I think at this point of this process, it's time to take a look at some of the things that are working. And you talked about the defense in particular. I think people forget this was a historically bad defense last year. And what they've done, and as your piece stated, as of late, that's something you give a tip of the cap to. Yeah, I think, and I, this is off the top of my head because I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really prepare that for the defense, but I think they probably gave up the most yards and the most points in the history of, at least the history of the franchise and maybe in the, maybe in the history of the National Football League. Look, that team last year absolutely quit with about six, seven games to go. They really did. They've had, they had, a, had enough of the one coach, Matt Patricia, and they had enough playing period by the time that there was a change in coaches and you, you could just see the way they played. They went to work because they had to, not because they wanted to. At least that's my opinion. And I think it's, ba- I think it's backed up when you see, look back on the results they got. Look, there's, there's, there's th- this team that, that we're seeing right now is short on talent, but it's not short on desire. And it's not short on trying to do the right thing, especially defensively. Look, I think when Sheila Ford Hamp said five, six, seven weeks ago, and that interview with Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press, that this is a rebuild. That's what nobody wanted to hear. She finally said, yeah, that's what we're doing. To me, that was a signal right now, which I, which I believe to begin with at the start of this season, that this is a rebuild. That's going to be a long, ugly build. But it's the thing. I think you have to do it. I think you have to build a foundation. And before you do it, with what, with what this regime inherited, you've got to tear it down and then build it up. And I think they're doing the right thing. It does not guarantee that it's going to work, though. What is the uh, you know, talking to Michael here at DetroitLions.com? Because um, I'll tell you this: I'm going down to the Lions game. I'm going down to do the Lions pregame from the Tin Roof on Sunday. The Lions are a seven-point home dog. I think they got a chance to win this game because not only do we not uh, Minnesota is so up and down. But it's the levy's got to break at some point, does it not? Or is this, are we staring at an 0-16-1 team? Well, I don't think we're staring at an 0-16-1 team based on, on, on the level of talent they have. But, but when I say that, I think it's a four or five win team. I'm not saying that's an, it's an eight or nine win team that just lost its way. No, I, I thought that they were 
you know, short on talent right from the beginning. And I, I remember doing, a, maybe I said this on one of your previous shows, uh, D-Mac, that, that talked briefly, to, you know, just one-on-one with Dan Campbell before the start of the season. And he said then, the way this team is built now, we have to be almost perfect to have a chance. He said our, our margin for error, exactly what he said is, our margin for error is so small, we have to be almost perfect to win. And it's been that way, you know, this entire season has been almost perfect just to tie, let alone win. Having said that, you know, what they've done since the bye is they've competed, they've competed hard, and there's, to me, there's no sign that this team wants to throw in the towel. They want to play, whether it's for the sake of playing, for the for the, you know, the name on the jersey, for the logo, for their teammates, whatever it is, they really have shown up to play, and I think I think they're going to win a game here. You know, they only got six left, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's Sunday. I'm not picking them to win in my picks, but I think this is going to be another one of what I call those white knuckle flights, where it's you know it's going to be you know give and take all all 60 minutes and a very very close margin, and I think they've got a chance to win this game. Because one thing, like you said about about the Vikings, look, they're up and down. They beat the Packers one week, they get beat the next week. And they're a four and five team that's got injuries, they got issues on defense that they never had before under Mike Zimmer. So this is certainly not a team that's gonna come in and run anybody out of the gym. Uh, Mike, let's talk about DeAndre Swift. Obviously he he's yep. not gonna go. Is this is this a couple of weeks thing? Is this something we're gonna have to worry about more in the long term? What what are you hearing about his status right now? Well, you know, he's been nicked up a little, you know, in his two years with the Detroit Lions. He missed three games last year, and now, you know, he was kind of you know, nicked up a little bit in training camp and really wasn't himself until, like, week three, four, or five. But once he got going, you saw why they drafted him, you know, third overall in the second round. This is really a remarkably talented two-way player. He can catch the ball and do something with it. He can run and do something with it. And he's really a pretty good pass protector. That's not his forte, but he can protect the quarterback. But I, I think it's I think it might be too just based on what Dan Campbell said in his presser this afternoon at at, uh, at Allen Park. It might be another week, but I don't think they're looking at anything long term. And I also don't think they're looking at shutting him down for the rest of the season. So if he comes back next week, it'll be for the last five games. If it's another week, it'll be for the last four. But really, he was on a pace to have a thousand yard season rushing and maybe eight or nine hundred yards receiving. He really looked to me like like he was with the player that they thought they drafted. And in terms of talent, I think he still is. Michael here, I wanted to get your thoughts on what Jim Harbaugh and Michigan did uh, getting by Ohio State and going into the Big Ten Championship. It's been a long time for them. Um, you know, when we're talking about uh, whether we're talking about the Wings or we're talking about the Lions and we're talking about building things and breaking it down, you know, that was a monumental victory uh along the way for this michigan team i guess were you in all right uh yeah mike just to finish up on 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 max thoughts uh your take on that i mean it wasn't just the fact that they beat ohio state it was the way they beat ohio state no absolutely and i thought going in that i I really liked michigan in that game you know like i mean i don't bet or anything like that but I really like Michigan in the game. But from what I'd seen in Ohio State and from what I'd seen in Michigan, I thought they were a much, you know, much tighter team, like, you know, kind of wrapped tighter. They didn't, you know, Ohio State, you know, just, you know, just kind of lived on the pass, I thought. And I just, I just thought that Michigan had more going for it, especially defensively. I think they could better, you know, better equipped to make a defensive stand if they had to. And I really wasn't surprised. But, you know, I, look, we're forgetting that Jim Harbaugh got an NFL team to a Super Bowl. 
We're forgetting that when Jim Harbaugh came to Michigan, look, attendance was down at the big house, and he really put those put those fans back in the seats. I think he did an awful lot of good things, but unfortunately for him, got overshadowed by number one inability to beat Ohio State and also inability to win, you know, win you know, to get big upset wins. But look, I think this guy's a terrific coach. I really do, and. and, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a long, if he if he wants to stay a long, productive run at Michigan as as their coach. Look, it runs in the family. His brother John, head coach of the of of, of the Baltimore Ravens, just probably one of the top two or three coaches in the national National Football League. And and Jim Harbaugh, I think, really for me, is a top ten coach in college football. Uh, Mike, it wouldn't be a show if I didn't try to get on and talk to you for a brief second. Uh, talk to me about Aiden <laughs> Hutchinson. And uh, what you see out of him is he's, you know, he's trending towards being a top player in the draft this upcoming year. And uh, what do you see out of him that you think will translate well to that next level? Well, I think he's going to be one of those guys. Uh, somebody asked me this on another show earlier this week, and I said, will he be in the discussion? Look, I've worked, you know, covered the NFL draft, what, for 45 years or whatever it is. Will he be in the discussion? Yes, he will. With six or seven other guys, I'm, we're assuming the Lions going to have the first pick or maybe the top two picks yes he'll be in the discussion to go number one two three but so will five six seven other others other players uh as we sit here right now and look at the draft we're not really looking at a at a quarterback going number one but that doesn't mean some team that you know that's say has like the 15th pick like the like the uh, patriots did won't trade down to get the best quarterback in a draft because they're desperately in need but also, will there be other options? Yeah, there'll be five, six, seven options for the Detroit Lions, too. So, yes, he'll be in the mix, but he'll be in the mix with an awful lot of players at different positions and teams with different needs. Great stuff, as always. Make sure you follow him, DetroitLions.com. If you haven't followed him on Twitter yet, you can do so at Mike O'Hara NFL. Always a pleasure, Mike. Let's catch Thanks. up soon. You bet. Thanks, right, Dean. Thanks for having me. Good seeing you. You betcha. You betcha. All right, we're going to take our last break here on this Friday night, but I'm excited. You know what? We haven't had what's in the microwave. We haven't had what's on the grill. So you know what I'm doing? Actually, Sean's doing. We're bringing in Dave Hubbard from the butchery in Lake Orion to talk about meat. Yeah. Oh. We'll get to that next right here. Darren McCarty Show, 760 WJR. This is the Darren McCarty Show on 760 WJR, where Detroit comes to talk. Now here's Sean Belegian and Detroit Red Wings legend, Darren McCarty. Final segment on a Friday night. So glad you could join us here. Darren McCarty Show, 760 WJR. Uh, If you listen to this show, you know for many months now, this is the time of the show we... Uh, go into what Derek likes, or Der- Derek, Darren likes yeah. to call what is on the grill. And uh, part of that reason, well, really the only reason that we do that is uh, I love, absolutely love to grill and to smoke and to do all things meat. And uh, a big part of my love for that is finding a guy that serves the right meat. And uh, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, wanted to do this before Thanksgiving. And obviously, the sports schedule uh, wasn't meant to be, but glad to catch up with this guy. He is the owner of the butchery out in uh, Sylvan Lake on Orchard Lake Road. He is a chef. He is a friend. 
He is Dave Hubbard from The Butchery. Dave, always a pleasure, my friend. How are you? Pleasure is mine. How you doing, Sean? D, Mac, how you doing? Excellent, excellent. Hey, you know, Dave, it, it was interesting because um, a couple weeks before Thanksgiving, Mac asked me what I was going to do, and I told him the uh, – I told him the plans and everything. He's like, we got to talk to Dave. And, you know, for some ideas of what to do in the holiday season, whether you're celebrating Hanukkah right now, many of you are going to be celebrating Christmas. Three weeks from tonight, I'm going to have, oh, about 40 people over my house right around this time and cooking for people. So, Dave, that's why we wanted to call you. What are some of the things that you can suggest? What are some of the things that, that people can get in touch with you in regards to making, you know, the best holiday dinner they can? Well, I always start with, you know, obviously a meat market. We start with a good piece of meat, right? So, um, you know, I like, I think it's your favorite. Um, I like to do the prime rib at the holidays. I also like a tenderloin or, or uh, um, a nice pork loin roast is good too. You know, a crown roast, get the bone, um, you kind of uh, – rounded off like a crown and it looks like Miguel Cabrera's triple crown when it's all done and it's beautiful you know so there's a few different things you know, we got we got the fresh turkeys you could you know, could always do a nice turkey um I know I know you're a fan Sean just as well as I am now of the injected turkey um I got a question for you yes do you are you are you a fan of the injecting injecting your prime rib or doing anything like that I have never tried. I, I wanted to get into the story how you and a fellow friend of ours experimented with the prime rib in a second, but I have never tried it with the prime rib. Is that something you've done? I have. I'm not a fan, so I, I just like I was just curious. But um, I'm a poultry, you know, turkey, uh, chicken, uh, even you know, duck, something, you know, things like this. I'm okay with with adding some kind of uh, injection. I'm okay with that. I'm not really uh, good with the injection on, on the beef or the pork, quite frankly, myself. So um, it just, for whatever reason, I don't want to penetrate that meat too much. I, I want to let that meat be sealed and, and hold in all those juices. So if I'm getting a USDA prime piece of meat, um, I don't need to worry about injecting too much flavor inside there, right? If I get a turkey, I don't care. Even even these heritage birds I get from, from uh, Steve Allen um, in Novi. This is the best turkey I've ever had, right? But it still tastes like turkey. It's still kind of a, a neutral um, uh, flavor profile. So you need to add some flavor. So the injecting really, really works out well there, and it tenderizes and breaks down that, that really big, you know, fibrous bird, if you will. Um, but beef and, and pork, if, if you, you treat it right, you, you sear in that flavor. You don't really have to add much flavor into the middle of it, if you will. No, and, and, and listen, let me vouch for that. I, I'm a big fan of the Creole butter injection. You are never going to hear anybody in your house when you do that complain about a dry bird. And I'm telling you, it is it is foolproof. It is absolutely delicious. Dave Hubbard uh, from The Butchery joining us. You know, when Mac asked what's on the grill, Dave knows what's on the grill because I went and bought it from him. Dave, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I wanted to share the story Um so in the summertime, I think it was August, something that none of us had ever done. We, we have, you know, a few fellas that get together and we, we do some things. We smoke and we grill and we have a good time. But we had never, ever smoked a prime rib. That was the first time for me smoking a prime rib. You know, you always get the idea, oh, you put it on the grill or you put it in the oven and everything. Dave, 
describe to people how that turned out because it was phenomenal. I've done it two times since then. It 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 was such a unique flavor profile. I guess using your chef background, how would you describe it to people? Culinarily, um, yeah. I would say this. It 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 ate so here we gotta start. I think it starts at the, the pellet grill versus the smoker um, versus the gas grill. Um, we, I'd done it in all different areas. I'd never done it on a pellet grill. And, and so we, you know, we got a piece of meat over to your, your house and you threw it on your, your uh, pellet smoker earlier in the morning and got it going. I would say the biggest difference to me was it stayed tender, but it didn't get super penetrated with the smoke. I mean, the smoke was, was like a layer. I always talk about layers of flavor, right? The smoke was one layer of flavor. The ro- you, you got this roast, but you still had the beef, uh, true roasted beef flavor that you want from prime rib. Um, the, the meat was broken down. It was nice and, and soft and tender and, and, and medium rare, rare in the middle. Um, like our buddy Mikey Ivis still loves it rare, not, you know. And so it, it turned out like that, but it had a nice hint of smoke. And I think that's what I really truly loved about it. It was it was it wasn't over smoky, and it wasn't um, it didn't seize up. That the meat really slowly slowly relaxed, if you will, if that makes any sense. And and it, and it just broke down nice and nice nice and easy, and and it had a nice good uh, beefy flavor at the end. Mm. I mean, it's a you know what, Dave. The best way that I would describe it, like the ends of it, like the the thinner portions of it. It tasted like a backyard barbecue. And then once you got a couple inches in, you know what, baby? You had the prime rib that you want. It, it really was the best of both worlds. And, and now, like anytime I, do a, anytime I do a prime rib this moment forward, I'm going to do it on the smoker because it really did give me the best of both worlds. Yeah, you, you got you, – you, like you said, you know, and, and our traders, those pellet smokers, they don't give you that real heavy smoke um, – uh, penetration into the meat so you get a little bit of the smoke on the outside and then you get a little like you're saying that backyard barbecue kind of thing where you you still get that you still get that prime rib crust and whatnot on the outside which is nice and fun you know and that that's where a lot of that flavor pack is at and the texture is going on but like you said it, it didn't taste all smoky and it, it you know i think sometimes beef you know we think that we tend to think like brisket we're going to smoke it forever and we're going to break it down and prime rib doesn't have the same amount of fat profile to really sit there and break down that muscle fibers like that. So in the prime rib, it's a little bit leaner in the middle. So you want to make sure that that's eaten a little more medium rare. So I think we were both a little afraid that it was just going to come out like this uh, smoked steak, you know, like we just think yeah. like a briquette almost thing, like this smoky flavor. But it was. It was it was so smooth and very, very um, velvety in, in texture and flavor. Great stuff. Dave, you know I could sit here and talk to you all night. Uh, instead, I'll, I'll tell you thanks for coming on. Folks, for your holiday needs, go check out my buddy. Uh, he is on uh, Orchard Lake Road in Sylvan Lake. It's called The Butchery. Dave Hubbard, appreciate the time, my friend. Appreciate you. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, Eric Dorch, always a pleasure. Uh, Jason Fistler, same to you. Darren McCarty, wherever you are, always a pleasure chatting with you my friend. Uh, To the rest of you, have a fantastic weekend. I'll talk to you again Sunday night. Gridiron Wrap, 7 o'clock right here on 760 WJR with Bill Keenis. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend. See you, everybody.